Recording now. Wow, 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 wow. I don't, I don't know what that was. I've never tested my <laughs> wow, microphone wow, like wow. that. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 uh, I got a switch finally. Your Never's inner, playing. your inner uh, Jerry Lewis is coming out. Oh, I was gonna say Wario. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or Waluigi. You are definitely the Wario, and I'm the Waluigi of the group. Okay. That's, who, who is the Mario and Luigi though? Oh, I don't know though. I think they're dead and we live in a godless world. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we're, I we're mean, the... only only a godless world would have given us the movie we are here to talk about today on the Waffle Press this retrospective. Is, yeah, this might be the strongest argument that that not that God doesn't exist, that God is dead <laughs> and that we killed him. Uh hello. Welcome to the failed blockbusters. This is episode two of our <laughs> summer the series. One. This is uh this might be the last episode we ever do. <laughs> All right. We're we're here to talk about Rob Reiner's 1994 film North, starring Elijah Wood. And a lot of people. And a lot of people, unfortunately. Uh, Matt, why'd you choose this movie? Um, well, we needed uh I was looking at our list of movies and I said we got too many good movies on this list. So we had to think of a bad one. And I, I think I had, I had watched some movie that had inst- angered me, like, and whenever I get angered, I think of Roger Ebert's, I hated this movie quote. And so it was, it's, that quote comes from his review for this movie. And I was like, hey, we should do North. And then Diego's like, oh, I don't know what that is. And then I was like, we're definitely doing North now. <laughs> and we did um let me you know what let me let me list the people who co-star this film the criminals uh, no <laughs> john lovitz alan arkin dan Aykroyd, kathy bates faith ford graham green reba mcintyre john ritter abe vigoda bruce willis who also narrates the film and my yeah. <laughs> this is what I was fucking shocked by because I've been I, I watch Seinfeld all the fucking time. It's one of the greatest shows ever. Jason Alexander and Julia Louise Dreyfus play Elijah Wood's parents. Well, you know, in this. do you know why they are in this? Because uh, Rob Reiner and Castle Rock uh, produced both this and Seinfeld. Yes, so like they're kind of like uh, this is this was Rob Reiner and Castle Rock calling in like every favor for this movie, which is what's wild, like um yeah we we will get into it (laughs) um it yeah it's it's not even a 90 minute movie no but it feels like an eternity it yeah it does it feels so long yeah so here's the thing here's the thing i saw this movie for the first time i had no idea what it was about i told diego wait let me get your text up because i told diego to text me while he was watching it (laughs) You keep going. Uh, and I thought, you know, I was kind of joking and saying like, you know, maybe I'm like the guy who's, who likes this movie. And uh, you were the Rob Reiner defender on a previous episode of the show. I 
will continue defending Rob Reiner, the person. He's a little Hollywood liberal, you know? Yeah. He's yeah. like, just get out and vote and like, whatever. He's like 100 years old. I'm not, I, I can't really hold that against well, we him. We talked about, we both talked about how like when Rob Reiner pops up and stuff, we're like, oh, it's Rob Reiner. Like we kind of get happy when we see him. Like even if yeah, the movie's not good, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I spouted my love of New Girl again. And he's, mm. he's great. He's a great presence. Um, that goes a long way. Unfortunately, none of that helps this film, which is maybe the single worst film I, I have ever seen. Oh, it is. Um, I remembered it being bad. I forgot that it really is like one of the worst movies ever made. Like, yeah, no, I because I, at first I was like, you know, this is like bad. And then Bruce Willis shows up as the Easter Bunny. And I'll explain what it's about in a second. And you'll be like, what the fuck are you talking about, Diego? It sounds like you're having a stroke. <laughs> And it feels like I'm having a stroke, mm. even explaining it right now. Yes. Uh, and I was like, oh, no, this is bad. Mm. And it somehow, somehow continues to get worse. Yeah. Apologies to every Disney Channel original movie that has been disregarded mm. as not holding up. This makes like, like fucking Xenon of the 21st century look like Citizen Kane. Yeah. It, it's that was a deep cut i don't expect anyone but like five people on the planet to know what i just referenced but that's a that's something i want to talk about there's there's a weird thing about kids films where like they are like super forgotten like once the generation like ages out of them you know mm -hmm. like if a kid's film isn't good it's just immediately forgotten whereas i think other genres of movies are kind of like you know horror fans go looking for the most obscure bad horror films out there right like they they drag stuff up whereas like western people love westerns will watch anything that has a fucking cowboy with a gun in it you know like mm. even comedies will have defenders but like once people become adults there'll be that one wave that gets nostalgic but then like once it's actually revisited it's just forgotten you know like so it's so weird when it's like you see it because I actually one thing I wanted to look up was the trailer for this movie because I'd never seen it. And it's I such a it's, it's one of those where it's like they didn't know how to market this movie. Like, how could you possibly? I know that that's also like another thing, but it's somewhere it's like imagine seeing that trailer like before on a VHS tape before something else, right? Like as a kid, like I I can there's so many movies in my brain that I just saw trailers for as kids because they were before like another disney movie i went to watch right mm -hmm. and i know the trailers have never seen the movie but i will know those trailers for the rest of my life this thing is like so nondescript you would like the title might stick out in your head but then it's just forgotten and then like no one talks about it and it kind of only has the reputation because it is considered such a horrible movie specifically by cisco and ebert um, which we'll get to that like uh, but other than that, there's like no, this movie left no impact. So it's one of those things where when you come on here and go, no, this children's film from 1994 called North, which is possibly one of the most boring titles on the planet. Like it's so nondescript there. You watch the trailer. You're like, I don't see like what, what, what is in this movie that makes people like get so angry about it to try and sit there and be like, no, this is like terrible. <laughs> like you don't understand. This is awful. It's you're like, what what could possibly be in it? And then you watch the movie and it's just. My God, when Harry met Sally was only five years before this. I don't, well, that's the thing. It's like 
like Rob Reiner, it, this is, um, I think it's a recurring thing now because this is our second failed blockbusters, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we talked about Barry Seinfeld on our first one, right? Barry Seinfeld is someone where his career is like going up and up and up. And it's got like, you know, he's got the Adams Family movies. He's got the first Men in Black. He's got Get Shorty. And those are movies that people like, like you know? Mm-hmm. And some people really love those movies. I love a few of those. And then he makes Wild Wild West and his career never recovers. Like, it's just after that, he never makes anything as good as those first few movies. And you have Rob Reiner, who before this does, this is Spinal Tap, Stand By Me, The Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, Misery, and the previous movie to this one, A Few Good Men. He does North, never recovers. It's just over. You don't like uh, The Bucket List? No, I do not like the bucket list. Or rumor has it. No, I do not like rumor has it. And then you look at like the last five movies he's done and you're like, these movies don't exist. Like they're not real. Like what the fuck is the magic of Belle Isle? Like that a movie called And So It Goes, like these feel like parodies in like a movie about show, movies about show business from like the 90s, you know? Yeah. Um. And it's so strange that, you know, and, and look at that filmography. It's like, this is Spinal Tap, you know, arguably invents the mockumentary comedy genre, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, there's, I'm, there's definitely examples before that, but I don't want to get into the whole thing, but like, that's the one that solidifies it, right? Yeah. Kind of a perfect movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> Stand By Me is like, I think, the, the definitive coming of age movie of the 80s, Right. Like at the very least, it's up there. I, it's I definitely, think, yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely it's up, up there. there. And I think it's one of those movies where, like, you know, the 80s, like people like fucking jerk off to the 80s all the time, right? Like yeah. it's like that was the best era of movies. And you watch them now, and it's like, no, they weren't. But Stand By Me is one of those ones that like really holds up. Mm-hmm. The Princess Bride is another movie that I would like consider a perfect movie. Like, and that's a movie where Rob Renner is such a mastery of the tone of that film you go one way or the other, like the movie doesn't work, right? He yeah. walks that tightrope perfectly and it, it works today. It worked then. It's great. When Harry Met Sally is the rom-com that people who don't like rom-coms like, you know, mm-hmm. like, and then he does Misery, which is the Stephen King horror adaptation <laughs> that people who don't like Stephen King or horror like. He does a few good men. I mean, that's that's got a whole Sorkin thing to it. That's maybe hasn't aged as well, but everyone knows it. Like everyone knows, it. and I would still argue as the number one Sorkin hater, that movie has an energy to it. Yeah, and it's it's fun. You can see it's one of those movies though where it's like you can see Sorkin building the bomb of like all his flaws that will be a part of his later career, <laughs> like all, like his weird obsessions. So it's like, oh god, he he gave us all the clues, Mister Policeman, like. But it's <laughs> it's still it's still a, a fine movie, and then it's like North, which I think some of the more like on the surface bad qualities overshadow the fact that the rest of the movie is bad too. <laughs> Look, uh, what? I guess we, we should explain what it's about now. Well, no, first I want to, uh, okay, yeah, let's explain the basic plot, but don't say what what really happens, I guess. <laughs> Just say, like, the basic setup of the film. Okay, like like the, 
like the narrative drive of the film. Yeah, yeah. Just don't say what happens on his journey. <laughs> I, I, I will not. We, we will fucking get into that. But uh... you shouldn't. You don't really need to watch this, by the way. Uh, but it is up in uh, uh, eight part chunks on a YouTube channel. It's been up for about a decade. A VHS quality rip of this movie. No one has bothered to take it down, so you can't yeah. watch. Uh, you, you could have fucking told me that before I, I rented it. I spent three ninety nine on this. I, I I will say I was getting ready to rent it, and then I was looking up the trailer, and I found this. So I, I if I had known, I would have told you, okay. but I did okay. not know. Whatever, whatever. So, I, I hope that Penny went to Rob Reiner because I still <laughs> like him as a as, as a dude. I guess sure. For, for, for the distance that I will never truly know any of these famous celebrities, I, I admire him. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. North is about a young kid named North who is great at that school, sports. Uh, he's talented in like acting drama. Uh, everyone loves him, except he's underappreciated or he's unappreciated by his own parents. Mm-hmm. And it's cartoonish how much they underappreciate him and they Mm -hmm. don't pay attention to him. And I thought, okay, I guess this is just going to be like a goofy tonal, like uh, a weird movie. And um, it is weird, but not, Mm -hmm. there's no sense of tone throughout the rest of the movie. I'm not going to explain what the rest happens there. But he goes, we can say uh, what he decides to do is he decides to become a quote, free agent and travel the world in search of perfect parents but he has a deadline uh, also. Yeah, he's got a deadline or else he goes to an orphanage. Um, which I should say, this is based on a book. And I guess we could have just read the title of the book because the book is actually titled North, The Tale of a Nine-Year-Old Boy Who Becomes a Free Agent and Travels the World in Search of Perfect Parents. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, uh, goodbye, uh, everyone. Goodbye. Um, all right. I want to talk about the book because I read about half of it. Okay. Um, it was written by Alan Zweibel, who... Uh, is a writer and was a co-creator for It's Gary Shamling Show, like one of the most uh, like game-changing sitcoms ever made. Um, and he also wrote on Curb Your Enthusiasm. And it's kind of like one of those like, like all your favorite comedians like know who he is. He's like known for being like an outstanding writer. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point in, I guess the early 90s, he decided to write this book and uh i will talk more about like what's in the book versus the movie as as much as i read but i will say i did not like it (laughs) It this is not a the book is actually better i will say the book is better than the movie (laughs) but it is not good it kind of reads like a wannabe kind of roll doll type book like it feels like that's what it's going for but that the book also kind of has a tonal problem of like i don't understand what tone this is going for and that is an uh overarching problem with the book and the film and the book at least kind of has a little bit more of an edge and there were occasional jokes that i thought were funny in the book oh we can get into the jokes later yeah oh Uh, oh, boy are we gonna get into the jokes later yes i have a question for you okay um, all right uh when all right so you so you watched it last night and you were texting me and it was an interesting journey <laughs> it ramped up pretty quick too which is also hysterical um all right when did you realize something was wrong with the movie when uh, the- did you realize 
uh, the movie wasn't good? <laughs> and when did you realize the movie was actually criminal? <laughs> well, I first realized it wasn't good from like the get go, kind of as soon as the, the voiceover starts, which yeah. is pretty, pretty quickly. I was like, oh, it sounds like the Harrison Ford voiceover from Blade Runner. Mm. Now, I did not know Bruce Willis was in the movie. So when he strolls into the picture as North was like resting on his his secret hideout, his secret, secret place, secret place, uh, fucking uh, his secret place in the middle of the mall on, his, get on that it? chair. You get it? It's like around people. Yeah, but, but it's a secret place. No, no, it's very funny. Um, is it supposed uh, anyway, to be funny a, though? That's no, the thing. I'm it's joking. Like there's, there's so, but like, here's the thing. It's like. Is that a failed attempt at humor, or are they like actually trying to say something? Like, I'm gonna argue both. <laughs> um, but then Bruce Willis strolls in in the bunny costume, sits down, and I was like, Is this like in his head? And he, he pulls out a carrot. I'm like, Oh, okay, so it's in his head. He's, he's not really snacking. There's not a man snacking on a carrot in there. Mm. And then he's like, All right, gotta go back to work. And he's like, I, I, I was shocked. I was like, Okay, I guess that that was like a real thing that happened. Um, mm. Okay, so this is gonna be bad, bad. Uh, and I was kind of bracing myself because I wasn't enjoying the badness. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't say I still do. But it is very funny that it exists. Yes. I'm not endorsing anyone watch it. So please, you know, stick around. It is. It might be. It might be worth visiting as a document of just a movie where like nothing works. Because I don't think a thing works in this movie. I, I want to say, too, that like, you know, given the recent news about Bruce Willis's uh, health issues and how... Mm. Um, there are reports coming out about like people in the industry kind of manipulating him for his price tag, which is just so gross and so yeah. tragic. Like it, it kind of broke my heart a little bit. It's almost, here. it's almost like we live in a country where even if you're one of the richest, most powerful celebrities in the world, you can still be taken advantage of in your elderly state. Yeah. And you know, there's been a lot said about Bruce Willis, the man and his, his personality. Um, there mm. was this story that Kevin Smith told over five years ago now easily. And uh, Bruce Willis called to apologize to him. And I'm not, I'm not insinuating anything, but I, I just thought that in light of recent events and um, alleged reports that he also knew about it and was taking jobs to support himself and his family, I thought, like, it's just so sad. And um, yeah, it, I, I kind of had to watch Die Hard after this. Yeah, <laughs> to, yeah. like rejuvenate my, my emotional state. I'll say this. I, it's like, we're not, I think we're going to say that Bruce Willis is bad in this movie. I think that's why we're, you're putting this cushion down, but it's not like, it's not like Bruce Willis bad in like, it's his fault, you know? Like, Absolutely I don't think not. Yeah. it's, it's the movie, like no one could have made this work. And you get the sense that Bruce Willis like really wants it to work. Like he's not just there for the paycheck, you know, mm -hmm. like it feels like he kind of wants to be the weird, like guardian angel type character that keeps appearing over and over again and but it just it just doesn't work like i said like that there there almost should be something to oh bruce willis is the easter bunny at like a mall food court right like mm -hmm. you're almost like oh there should be something here that maybe kind of works although what easter bunny just has a hole cut around their face so it's a human face you know yeah I, like, i'm should, not really sure what that was yeah well no that's just so you can show his face yeah like it would the scene would have worked better if he walked over in full bunny costume and then took the hat head off, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's but it just doesn't work. Yeah. And then when you see the carrot, you're right, it does that thing. It's like, oh, is this in his head or not? And like 
there's a lot of that in this movie and then when you get an answer to that it like just raises further questions Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's not bruce willis's fault i don't know if it's anyone's fault really the only one who like i who was in this who i was like angry at for their performance other than some people who definitely should have just said no Mm -hmm. um but the one like performance i like kind of hated was alan arkin like i found alan arkin like painfully unfunny in this I thought and, so too. I didn't hate him. Mm-hmm. I'm an I'm a big Alan Arkin fan. I am too, but he actor, was but like he's bad. He was the one where it's just like he's like this movie's bad and he's making it worse. <laughs> and he should just stop talking. Like for the love of God. <laughs> but um, oh the the fucking kid who plays Winchell. And this is not it's a child actor. Mm-hmm. I understand I on you to and stop asking, this one especially. Winchell's a weird character, and they're asking a lot. Weird character, Mm. and boy, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about like the quality of Stranger Things recently. I think the new season is frankly kind of terrific Mm -hmm. for Stranger Things, anyways. Uh, And but the real like hat trick of shows like that and Game of Thrones is being able to cast quality child actors across the board. Yeah, that's fucking difficult. Anyone mm. that does that should basically win an Emmy off the bat. Um, uh, th- th- this kid is so bad, and it's, mm-hmm. it's just a kid. I'm not. I'm not picking on the kid who's now an adult, obviously. But like, what the fuck? Why would you even put like this role in this film and yeah. thrust that upon some poor child? You know. Well, I, like, I also gotta say, like, not just to Mac. I don't want to just single out this kid, but um, Elijah Wood is also bad in this like yeah it's it's not i don't think it's his fault i think he was given bad direction and it's also this weird thing of like rob reiner did fucking stand by me which is uh, the four leads of that movie are all children and they're all terrific in it like Mm -hmm. it's so it's not like rob reiner can't work with kid actors but i think he didn't tell elijah wood what type of movie this was supposed to be and i'm like uh, like he didn't tell anyone because i don't know what it's supposed to be um because elijah wood is playing north like i'm like does elijah wood think this is stand by me like is he's giving like a really like grounded performance at time and i'm like it's the exact wrong performance for this fucking movie mm-hmm. where it's supposed to be like a wacky adventure you know like it's it was it, it's mesmerizing because also so like you get this first scene and i want to talk about the first scene in this fucking movie right okay also, I guess the narration, Bruce Willis's characters, his characters appear in the book, but there isn't like, I don't believe he's the narrator. I don't think the Easter Bunny part existed. I could be wrong, though. I kind of like fast read the book. Okay. And I was like, I tried to get the whole thing in. And then at a certain point, I was like, you know what? Fuck this. But the narration, the opening lines are like straight from the book where it's like North was sure he was having a coronary, right? And his parents are like arguing at the table. And when it's one of these things where it's like, is North having a heart attack here, quote, heart attack, supposed to be funny? Is this scene supposed to be funny that this kid is having a heart attack? Because the way Elijah Wood is playing it, it feels very grim. Mm -hmm. (laughs) When he like screams and falls over, it's not, it's like, this kid is like falling apart like and it makes you think 
the movie's like, oh, his parents don't appreciate him. The way he reacts in the scene, it's like, there's something deeper wrong here. <laughs> like, what is going on, you know? And it's it's not funny and it's disturbing. And like, it, it, it plays with that kind of tone over and over again where he plays it so kind of, I don't know, straight is the word, but like, there's a grimness to North as a character and it does it, it fucks the whole movie up and the movie was already fucked. Yeah, and you can just feel them wanting to like make it, light. like as the movie goes on at least, you feel them wanting to make it like lighter mm-hmm. and then it makes that stuff even grosser and weirder. Yeah. And like it, it's upsetting in a way. I, I want to say, I don't think it's as upsetting as something like The Book of Henry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think I called North the worst movie ever I've ever seen. That's not true. But it's it's down there. It's in the same ballpark as Book of Henry, though. Yeah, I would argue. Like this is uh, definitely like yeah. double double feature North and Book of Henry. If you want to learn how not to make children's films and and then kill yourself. <laughs> well, no, no. <laughs> <Okay. but> <laughs> live <laughs> to spite North and the Book of Henry. <laughs> well, um, here's the thing. I don't hate Henry. I don't hate North. I hate Henry. I'm glad uh, Henry's fucking dead. Yeah, here's what's weird though. Like Henry's a worse character than North, but the kid playing Henry, I think, did a like played that character better. That character just sucks. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, and it's not like you know, like I'm 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 not trying to dunk on Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood's a good actor, like, and he was a good child actor. He's a good actor now. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think anyone disagrees. It, I it to me it comes down to the direction, and it just brings up like what the fuck was Rob Reiner trying to say with this movie? And I also found that problem with the book where it's like, I don't, I really don't understand what, like, if it, it loops around to like this very basic message of like, your parents are your parents and they love you, right? Like mm-hmm. parents are, it's like really basic. And I'm like, that's, that's a wild assumption to make about people and their parents. I felt that too, because I think that's a nice message to like instill, mm-hmm. but it, it needs and you need to know several things it needs to be in the text of the film which mm-hmm. it is not they're awful to north in that first scene mm-hmm. and two some people are bad parents yeah bad for their kids and it sucks well here, here's the thing it's this wacky like the, the setup is supposed to be this wacky like what if a kid like divorced his parents right like that's like the joke essentially yeah. That happens in the real world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not like a fantasy premise. <laughs> People, kids can petition courts to be removed from the homes of their parents. Like the thing that is more wacky is the kid like choosing who they go with ultimately. Like kids get some choice in the matter, but they don't have a ton. You're not given that sort of thing. Maybe kids should be given a little more freedom in that regard. But yeah, some kids are taken away from their parents for good reasons and it sucks. But it's not this wacky fantasy premise setup, <laughs> and that's and you know, and I'll say that like I'm a child of divorce, like I had one really good parent, one really bad parent, and the court took me away from the bad parent. <laughs> like it's not this, and I'm not bringing that up to be like a bring down of like this movie offended me on a personal level. Like the movie honestly doesn't even get anywhere where I could like react that way. It's just I want to shake the people who wrote this and just be like, you're not playing with something fantastical like these are real things that really happen to children and 
there's there's another film that's also bad that I, I believe also I only know about it because it appeared on Siskel and Ebert's worst of the year list as well. But it's it has a better setup than this called uh it's called Trading Mom. Have you ever heard of Trading Mom? No, I haven't. Oh, same year as North. That's wild. Ah. Uh, it uh it it starts sissy space like it's basically a story of like these kids they think their mother is like nagging and she's kind of like boring and it's like we want a better mom so like they go to this market where like they can try out different types of moms right mm-hmm. and sissy spacek plays all the different moms and it's like oh what if your mom was rich what if your mom was in the circus and stuff like that and that had a better fantasy setup than this, right? Because they, they make it very clear where it's like, oh, the kids like aren't, they don't appreciate that their mother is trying to impart like good lessons, right? That right, right. the way the mother is raising them actually is like, is a loving thing that she's doing. And not like, you know, in that way where it's like, you should put up with your parents if they suck. Just like, you know, your, your parents do love you, even if maybe they don't always seem that way, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Uh, North doesn't have that. But I also think we can we can say like, oh, the the parents are terrible, but I also don't think they define the parents enough where I'm like, I'm not exactly sure what kind of terrible parents they are, if that makes sense. I'm a little confused. Like the movie keeps saying his parents don't appreciate that, appreciate him, which I don't know what that means. Like what what. And the, I didn't understand this in the book either. Like the book, I at least think defines North as being a little more arrogant than maybe he is in the movie. Like mm-hmm. the book, like North is so proud of himself for being such a good kid that like he doesn't understand why his parents aren't like rolling out the red carpet constantly for him. But at the same time, it's like this movie, when they're having the argument at the table, it's like, so like are they arguing all the time is that what's wrong (laughs) do they ignore him there's there's a scene where they go like oh here's all of north's academic achievements which by the way maybe it was just the school i went to um he might be a little young to be performing fiddler on the roof (laughs) but a lot of what i saw didn't seem that odd like he didn't seem that special i guess is what i'm saying i knew kids who were academically gifted who were good at sports and good good at you know theatrical stuff and we're also like good kids like they they, they stuck to a schedule you know yeah yeah like, it wasn't like north is out there being like the savant like henry in the book of henry you know mm-hmm. um so yeah i didn't understand that and then it's like okay we see him like doing all this stuff but there's no like scene where like he looks over like when he's playing baseball he looks over at the benches and his parents aren't there right mm-hmm. there's nothing like that in the movie <laughs> So it's not like they aren't attending his things, but we aren't shown that they are either. So that just makes it more confusing. And then I'm like, maybe he's embarrassed by them because his dad is like a pants inspector, <laughs> which is an odd job to say your parents are. So maybe it's like, oh, his parents embarrass him. But we also, we also don't see that either. Like I was very at a loss of like, what exactly is, what is wrong here, you know? Yeah, I I just saw them uh, as, as like not paying attention to him, which is like which is a problem, not, which like, is a bad problem. Yeah, yeah. But like yeah. I I guess just but we only get the that film one... is so inconsistent in actually delivering like any sense of character beyond that. 
you know we only get that one dinner scene and then we get that scene where he's like thinking about leaving his parents and he tries to like reach out to them while they're at work you know Mm -hmm. and like i'm like well is the movie about how his parents like are working too hard like it's not defined enough (laughs) to know like am i supposed to be on the north side or am i supposed to be on the parents side like Mm-hmm. that's where it was weird like it just wasn't laid down enough it, it felt like both sides kind of had equal ammunition which i don't think is what you want no <laughs> like, um it was yeah it was that like the foundation of this movie is broken and then it's worse on top of that <laughs> um yeah it's that was just the thing yeah I, I was just so like i don't know what i'm supposed to be feeling about the relationship between North and his parents, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that does like immediately break the film. Yeah. It's just, it like, it's broken right there. It just yeah. doesn't work. Even apart from like the filmmaking and everything else we're about to get into. Yeah. Uh, holy shit. Well, that's the other thing. Why? All right. The version I watched, I'll admit, like I watched a VHS rip of this movie that was uploaded to YouTube. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it was not good quality, but why does the movie look like this? <laughs> so here's the thing. I think there are quick little snippets of like North looking out at a sunset or something like that. And I'm like, Hey, that looks pretty good. And then the rest of it, it looks like kindergarten cop. Yeah. And it's Rob Reiner. Who's a, who is a good director, you know? Yeah. Although there is a weird thing where Rob Reiner is like this really dependable, good director. And then it's weird. We're like, it starts slowly going away (laughs) like over his filmography to the point where like a few good men, which like we both defended, but like a few good men, isn't like a triumph of directing, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's just, it does its job. And I would argue his weird, it's almost like a light touch direction. I think it helps his films. I think it really helps misery which you could see like an over-the-top version of Misery, right? Yeah. And that wouldn't be as good as the Rob Reiner version, which kind of feels like, you know, when you're at when you're at Kathy Bates's house in Misery, it feels like you're at grandma's house, you know? Like it doesn't, there's nothing inherently threatening about the house. And then when stuff starts getting threatening, it kind of like makes it creepier, you know? And so it's weird that, like, I don't think I could think of too many directors that, like, decline in that sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Some people just, like, lose it as they get older, you know? Yeah, but, like, it's it's straight. It's just, like, a guy who had it. You, but you can see, like, guys who decline, but you can see where they still have it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, what's his fuck? Uh, Brian De Palma like hasn't made a good movie in about a decade, right? Like, no, I, I did watch his uh his Domino film, which is okay. uh incomplete, and it's like you can see he's still trying to get something, but the way he used to make movies isn't the way any production company wants to make him anymore, and so they yeah. kind of like they they kneecap him a little bit. Yeah, but also it's uh, you know it, it could just be age. Isn't he like eighty now? Like he's fucking old. Yeah, he's old. Like I'm not gonna fucking hold against him. But like even in those like those those movies, which I also think Domino was one of those movies where like a day after it came out, he came out and like disowned the movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, he did. He said it wasn't it it wasn't his finished version. There, there'll never be a finished version. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was one of those European companies that has like tax evasion shit or whatever. Yeah. So it's like it's it's all a mess. Yeah, it's almost. But like you can see De Palma in it. You know. Mm-hmm. you can yeah, see yeah. you can see like i cannot see the guy who made stand by me and the princess bride in this movie at all 
No, I, I don't either. And it feels like you should feel at least like some connection to those two films, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't feel anything. Um, it really feels like someone like killed Rob Reiner and like took over the movie. Like, <laughs> it, it who knows about that? But <laughs> well, I don't feel there's nothing here that made me. It, I, it feels like a no name person made this movie. Th- that I would agree with. There's nothing here, but it's fucking Rob Reiner. And it, it, yeah, I just, um, yeah, I was, I was baffled by it. Um, what was your favorite part of the movie? Oh God. Um, I don't know if I have a favorite part. Um, here's, here's the thing. This isn't my favorite part, but I kind of like the idea of like, because here's the thing, the foundation of the movie is broken, so like nothing connected to it works. Absolutely, yeah. But I, I kind of like the idea that like Norris actions like start a like revolutionary movement almost. Yeah, no, that's a that's a funny idea. That's the and, one funny idea in the film. And it's being driven by like a, an adult lawyer played by John Lovitz and a kid who is like a young Dick Cheney. Like it's <laughs> he looks like Rumsfeld almost. Like it's <laughs> it's there's like like and what I when I say I like that I mean I like the sentence I just said. <laughs> not actually watching it. I, I, no, nothing about watching it was entertaining. <laughs> um, also, I got to point out the uh, when they show the kid like when he's in like the office building by the end of the movie, they use that same fucking backdrop in like a dozen movies when it's like high up skyscraper. I know, I like know. to the point where now I recognize it in other movies. It's in Wayne's World for God's sakes. Like. <laughs> Now I just recognize it as like, oh, that's the city at night. <laughs> you know, this is not the any quality or image comparison, but I when I saw them go up into that that high tower uh, uh, corporate room, I was like, oh, I want to watch Batman Returns again. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, it's like it's like Max Shrek's office. Bruce, shame on you. North, <laughs> shame on you. Uh, why wasn't he? Why you dressed up as Batman? No, he should have been the fucking Easter Bunny. Oh my god. Like, Walking, it feels like this is a movie Walking would appear in, right? Mm-hmm. Like No, he was busy starring in Abel Ferrara's The Funeral. Oh, okay. <laughs> which is the most fucking depressing movie you'll ever see. In- invokes a similar feeling to North. <laughs> <laughs> a spiritual companion to Rob Reiner's North. Yeah, that's a uh, double feature right there. There you go. Um yeah. Uh uh, Bruce Willis's narration's bad. <laughs> I think we're both in agreement on that. Um, it's so fast in the beginning, too. Look, it, it it really threw me off. That's when I knew, I think I said already, I, that's when I knew it was going to be bad. That's also, like, he's reading straight from the book, too. Like, a lot of those lines are straight from the book. And it's bad. And there's, like, a weird, like, it, like they he hold, remember, like, Jason Alexander holds up the thing that says inspected by six for like the pants thing. Do you remember this yeah. gag? Yeah, what, what, what was that? That is in the book, but it is, it's a joke that you couldn't translate to the film. It's because the, the book keeps having these asides from the author. And these sides are actually kind of funny where the author will be like, uh, it's like North's father uh, was a pants inspector. And he's like, note from the author, look in your pant pocket right now. If you see a note that says inspected by six, it was North's dad. Like, and I'm like, okay, that's kind of cute. Like, that's a little joke to put in there. Um, but like, then they tried to do it in the movie and it doesn't work. <laughs> like, 
it just doesn't work on the on the screen you know um he's number six yeah and there is something to the like fantastical nature of the first half of the film that then when the movie ramps up it makes everything confusing you know like because mm-hmm. all right spoilers you no one gives a shit but like the heart of this movie is like a dream right he fell asleep in a secret spot after talking to bunny bruce willis and then he had a dream about all the events that happened correct yes. but the dreams aren't too different from what the from the preceding events you know <laughs> like mm-hmm it's all of that it, it it feels tonally the same so what the fuck yeah so it doesn't feel like a dream and, and like that might be an intentional cop-out but it is a cop-out mm-hmm. and it doesn't make any of the events better I also do kinda... because we don't we don't understand the parents perspective like we were talking yeah. about already so we don't know how they would react. So they feel like different characters when you see them again at the end. And they're like, North, oh my God, we're so worried about you. It's like, where are you? But also, well, was North being selfish? Because we don't have a, yeah. an understanding of where these people are coming from. Here's something where I say, like, I thought the book was kind of like low rent Roald Dahl, right? Like, Roald Dahl, because it also had like pictures in it too. Kind of like when you read a Roald Dahl book. And one thing though that Roald Dahl understood, and I think this is why his work has kind of lasted, even when like not everything he's written has aged perfectly well. Um, he understands that there are adults. Sometimes they're your parents and they are out in the world and they mean you harm. <laughs> like he understood that and it gives his work this edge that then it kind of helps ground everything, you know, like it helps like, okay, now we know where this character, the, the, the child protagonist is coming from. Even if the protagonist maybe isn't the best, right? Like, and this, the book doesn't do that job either of just, you're like, it feels like someone, like, this is probably the meanest thing I'm going to say, which says a lot, but both the movie and the book feel like it was written by someone with kids who their kid was acting like a little brat and the, they didn't understand, they couldn't like identify with the kid at all, you know? Yeah. Like, it feels like you just like trying to be like, shut the, shut the fuck up and eat your broccoli or something. And it's incredibly shallow in that regard. And it makes me worried for maybe the kids that Alan Swybell's kids, if he has any. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure Alan Swybell's fine, but like the book, it's like whatever window he was trying to give to be like, look, it might not look like it, but I, I'm your parent and I love you. Like, if that's the message he's trying to send, mm-hmm. it's like he didn't do a good job at that. And yeah, you know, and like, I, there are episodes of like cartoons that get that message across better, you know? Um, do you remember, did you ever watch Recess? As I did, yeah. Um, do, you, do you remember the episode when Spinelli, uh, it's like parent-teacher night, right? Mm-hmm. And she's all like nervous about everyone meeting her parents because she's like embarrassed by them. And so she hires these like two strangers to be her parents. I and, do. Holy and, shit. You yeah. just unlock like a core memory right yeah. now. <laughs> well, man, what a what a fun show. Um yeah. and uh and so like then they come in, it's like a biker dude and like his like hot girlfriend, and like like they're kind of like tough people. But then Spinelli's actual parents show up and they're kind of just like dorky parents, you know. Mm-hmm. and like she's in and like they you know they don't call her they call her ashley which is her name and she's like all embarrassed like and that's like you know plenty of kids are embarrassed by their parents that's like a normal thing right mm-hmm. and it's 
that episode t- does a perfectly good like mini story about like look you're embarrassed by your parents but they love you and they're the reason you are who you are right and mm-hmm. they they you might not understand it now but you'll you'll understand it later right and like the stuff you thought was dorky about your parents was actually like oh there's something really endearing about that in a cartoon it's 30 minutes long not even <laughs> with commercials like this movie couldn't do that <laughs> if that's what this movie wanted to do yeah, that was a Don't, good show. Recess retrospective. Yeah. Also, recess. I was thinking about recess, and I was thinking about um, fucking uh, codename kids next door as I was watching this. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, because that those are two shows where it's like a lot of that is about what adulthood looks like to children. You know, mm-hmm. like we're like, oh, there's the boss. Like he's he's like a he's he's always chopping on a cigar and making my dad work too much, right? Oh, parents are lame and they smell and they're goofy, right? Like, you know, like, remember, like, number one, like, on the show, he's, like, the super cool, like, he's basically supposed to be, like, Patrick Stewart of the <laughs> of the crew. And his dad is just, like, this big old dork, but, like, he loves his son, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, Nigel, I just wanted to go fishing with you. <laughs> like, it's all stuff like that. And, but both those shows also have moments in them where it's like, hey, those adults in your life were also children too at one point. And it like gives you this perspective on mm-hmm. them, you know? And it's like, oh, we all grow up and we all kind of become dorky parents <laughs> and stuff like that. And it's like, and also, in, and both those shows don't pull their punches either on like, look, there are sometimes adults that just suck. <laughs> like there, there are adults that are bad, but there are adults that like look bad, but they actually are good and there are adults that mean well and do bad things right yeah like it was weren't those kids in the codename kids next door the delightful children from down the lane yeah like didn't they have like a, an episode or like a moment or something where they had to confront that their parents were like actually bad for them or something like that there might have been but there's a few like they got like the lore of codename kids next door is so ridiculous oh yeah no it's it's fucking hysterical i don't know it, how well it holds up but i remember really liking that shit. i remember really liking it and like it is one of those things where it's like if i'm in a real fucking bad state like it might be a show that i put a few episodes on <laughs> I, luckily that hasn't happened for a few years but i will check it out occasionally um and it but it, i if i remember correctly like they were weren't they like hit by a laser at some point that turned them into delightful children like they used, <laughs> I don't remember that. They used to be they used to be kids next door members spoilers this is like one of those things that's revealed in like the last season of the show oh. like oh. and it's like they used to be and then they were turned evil by their father but then it turned out like again spoilers for this show (laughs) it's a fun show if you get into cartoons give it a watch i don't care Uh, we all need something to take our minds off the world uh it turned out that uh number one's father was brothers with father the villain who is like just that like black outline who smokes a pipe all the time (laughs) And it's and then it turns out that their father was like an even worse parent, like who is so evil he like almost destroyed the whole planet. And it, <laughs> it kind of is this thing of like, oh, like these they're both. This is what could happen if your parents suck. Like again, a better message than North. Like mm-hmm. a show where like there's literally a guy named like Count Spankula who's like spanks children. He's a vampire. Like. <laughs> I remember the one with like the lice, the lice infestation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It becomes like fucking aliens. Mm-hmm. 
And then, uh, yeah, and there's a Sticky Beard, the pirate who steals people's candy, and he's voiced by Mark Hamill. <laughs> and he's just got tons of candy stuck in his beard. Um, and yeah, that was a that was a weird uh, a weird show. Yeah, I think there's definitely stuff of it that doesn't hold up. So I think there's a lot of like. Uh, I remember there being a few episodes that were like very like boys like this and girls like this. Oh yeah. yeah. Which maybe hasn't aged as well. Wasn't there an episode where like there was like an evil girl who like took over the world and like turned everyone into girls or something like that. Oh, I don't remember that. I remember that episode. Oh no. Um, Yeah. Um, Oh, okay. I I will, since we're on coding King next door, I will shout out the lead actor, Benjamin Diskin, who played Nigel number one. Mm -hmm. Uh, I interviewed him back in the, in the film critic days of young Diego and I got to talk to him about that. And uh, he has very fond memories of that show. And I got oh. him to talk about what the plans were for uh, a spectacular Spider-Man season three. Oh, okay. They were going to have fucking Hobgoblin, Carnage, Scorpion, the Jackal. And it just made me upset that that didn't happen. But yeah, anyways. Why, are they, why aren't they like, it really feels like Disney is like missing a window on like producing animated shows based on the Marvel characters. Well, they have to tie them into the the shit. Yeah, but they, they but they, they really don't. They really don't. No, I mean, (laughs) of course they don't. They don't. But they're like, well, we have to for brand management has to be similar. We can't, we can't do anything that doesn't have like a fan base from the '90s. Uh, That's why they're bringing the '90s X Men back, which is just like depressing. But Uh, I feel like, like, here's the weird thing. Like, I don't want to give these horrible people any ideas. (laughs) But to me, it's like, okay, the the Marvel universe has been around for almost 15 years now correct Mm -hmm. like you can start cashing in on the nostalgia of it but it has never ended (laughs) so like that would be an opportunity to be like hey we're going to start universe two and it's going to be cartoons and it's going to be on our streaming service right yeah like so now you can relive all those memories tony stark isn't dead and you can tell like original stories yeah that that would be the ideal approach because because that's the thing is like they're bringing the x-men back and to me it's like i think x-men is totally you kind of need an x-men cartoon now because the x-men continuity is so fucking ridiculous that no one even understands anymore they went from being like the superhero team of the 90s to now like no one like they're now like off the page if you like ranking superhero teams yeah like there's like a core fan base that loves them but like they are younger kids only know the name but they don't actually know anything about them yeah you mean people didn't like the dark phoenix film when does dark phoenix come out anyways back to north let's talk about we haven't even gotten into like what's really bad about this movie i know i I think we should jump into it otherwise we'll be here for 10 hours i think i think i think i've laid the groundwork enough for that the movie's just broken on like a fundamental level yeah like it's just like it's the same like we're about to explain we're about to get into the stuff that most people talk about when they talk about why this movie's bad and they're not wrong to talk about it, but I think this bad stuff overshadows the fact that like the movie's broken in its foundation and it's not made very well. <laughs> um, maybe, yeah. maybe the best way to go about this, uh, c- could you do me a favor and read off the text I sent you? I'll tell oh. you exactly what happened as I, okay. as I sent them. Yeah, so Diego started sending me texts um, and, he, and he kept being like, I don't know, maybe I'll like this. Like he, he mentioned it um because he you know and Diego do nothing about this movie so like I, but I was I was laughing to myself um and I said I'm saving these texts um um all right your first text I got you said oh wow I did not know Elijah Wood John Lovitz Jason Alexander Julia Louis Dreyfus were in this 
Mm-hmm. Is this a Seinfeld spinoff? Yeah. Bruce Willis, what? All caps. Yeah, the, the, oh, this was the, the credits rolling mm-hmm. in, the, in the opening. And then you go, holy fuck, Adam Greenberg shot this? The guy who brought us Terminator and Near Dark? That is wild. Yeah, no, no. Here, uh, Adam Greenberg was one of the great cinematographers at one point. I believe he has since retired. I think his last movie was like Snakes on a Plane. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. And uh, I believe Near Dark was the last film he also lit himself. That's why Terminator and Near Dark, their night sequences look very similar. Uh, something about the, the sodium vapor lights he was able to capture. I don't know how he did it, but he, he kind of gave it that definitive night look and it looks terrific. After that, he does not like any films and they all kind of look whatever. Uh, Terminator 2 obviously looks fucking incredible. Terminator mm-hmm. 2 which he also shot is, is a masterpiece, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I saw a take going around recently saying that Terminator 2 was the problem with sequels or some shit. And what kind of fucking loser even like bothers typing that and sending it? You don't delete that immediately. You, you have nothing to offer society. I'm sorry. I just had to vent about that because I saw it and it made me upset. It is where the Terminator 2 is kind of like had this word falling from grace. Yeah, like... It, like which- it's, it has a falling from grace until you rewatch it again. And you're like, oh, yeah. no, that is like a masterpiece. Yeah. Although I guess like, Terminator 2 is one of those movies I've just seen it so many times that like I kind of am like, I don't ever need to watch it again. <laughs> and that's but, totally fine. Yeah. 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 But, you know, but it's, it's Terminator 2. Yeah. And it's also one of those things where I, like sometimes I see people like say that where it's like this movie is bad for X, Y, Z reasons. And it's like just because everyone learned all the wrong lessons from Terminator 2 doesn't mean Terminator 2 is bad. Like, yeah. You know, that, that happens a lot in Hollywood. Um, yeah oh and i just want to say you ended what you were sending me with what the fuck is this voiceover these these texts the group i just said were all set in the first three minutes of the movie (laughs) yeah that was uh that was my train of thought yeah so first three minutes there's about a five minute gap and you just text me no fucking way that was bruce willis strolling in with the bunny costume (laughs) another five minute gap and then you go, does it get worse? I haven't responded to these ones. What was the, what made you ask if it got worse? Was it just uh, the Bruce Willis of it all? The Bruce Willis and then the dinner scene with the parents. Oh, but that happened before Bruce Willis. Oh shit, what the fuck was I thinking of then? Well, you have to be getting into, this is when uh, the fucking, what's the kid's name? Uh, Winchell shows up. Yes, and, yes. And it was just embarrassing for everyone yeah. involved. And, and this is just stuff where it's like the jokes just fucking aren't landing. Like yeah. any gag, we get, there's one okay visual gag where John Lovitz is this lawyer and the kid's like, um, he's like, how do I, North's like, how do I set up a meeting with him? And he's like, you don't set up a meeting, he'll find you. And North is just out walking one day and we see a car like literally chasing an ambulance. And then, throw it in the reverse and then come back to north and be like oh hey i'm the lawyer like and it's like oh okay yeah this movie was made in 94 (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of one of those moments um all right so you say does it get worse and i'm just laughing at you at this point um 10 minutes go by (laughs) and you just go how is this only 20 minutes so far and I think that that I'm guessing that's at the beginning of Dan Aykroyd and Reba McIntyre showing up. Yes. Uh, do you want to talk about that? <laughs> um, no, but I will. <laughs> uh, the, what I was responding to there was not the moment we're going to focus on, but uh, it, it was very clear that there's just nothing here. And yeah. they were 
like i'm not saying this is offensive to texans i don't give a shit about any of that you can't offend white people um or they you should worry about offending white people rather but like it was just it, it was like empty caricature and it felt like the caricatures were supposed to be enough of a joke to carry the scenes themselves but they're not so it's just really obnoxious mm-hmm. and look sorry to dan Aykroyd, but he has a very specific energy that if he can't harness it properly it becomes kind of unbearable yeah reba mcintyre I, I i thought she was fine uh un- until a certain point which we <laughs> We will, we, will, uh, we will get into that. Um, yeah. yeah, there's there is like this weird like empty nature of it where it's like it feels like a parody of Texas that like the it doesn't even exist anymore. Like it's you know, and it's not like kids wouldn't find that funny. It's like we're the generation that had fucking Doug Dimmadome, yeah, owner, Doug of, the Dimmadome. Dimmadome. owner, owner of, of the Dimmadome, Dimmadome. Dimmadome. <laughs> which is like he's a Texan living in Dimsdale, which isn't like in Texas, like which is part of the joke that it's just like why does this cowboy man live here? and like kids get that you know we're like oh it's funny he's a cowboy like Mm -hmm. it's not but you're watching this and you're like the fuck am i even supposed to be finding funny and he's like i'm a texan i like stuff big (laughs) yeah i was getting a weird vibe from that they literally drive up to the house from the movie fucking giant which is like from the fucking 60s (laughs) (laughs) it's like what kid is getting that reference Um. Yeah, and it's it's also flat. Also, why like every room in this movie? Like, I'm not saying they had an echo, but like you could feel an echo in every room. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, yeah, it was really poorly like like assembled, like audio wise. Yeah, it felt really cheap. And this was like forty million dollars. But here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying I'm not saying that there was an actual echo in some scenes. I'm just saying that when I'm looking at the movie, I can feel an echo. Mm-hmm. you know like everything's so big and empty yeah and, and it's it's the thing of like north he goes to the judge played by fucking alan arkin who should never be allowed to give a performance like this ever again Aww. um and it's uh and it's like okay you're going on your adventure north and then he's just like on a plane and at an airport and there's like nothing fantastical about like when you're a kid here's what's weird but like it's hard to remember like now as an adult we like all hate air travel right like, like it's it. it's fucking miserable they lose your luggage the planes like you can't trust them because like now everyone's like fucking cutting corners everywhere oh like, yeah yeah well now with covid i, re- I really don't like it I, yeah I, it's, I haven't been on one in a while it's awful they announced that hey everyone take your masks off on this fucking sealed plane it's it's a nightmare but when you're a kid you're like wow airplanes right Mm-hmm. like there's something like oh because like not every kid is gone on an airplane and it is kind of fantastical but like it's like flat airplane flat airport and then it's like the texans show up and they feel flat too it's what the fuck is this um and then um, i just gotta say i'll read your text because it was hysterical reading i i did laugh uh you go <laughs> Did these people eat their son? <laughs> because they just start like piling food on North's plate, right? Yeah, because they need him to be the biggest and the best, just like everything else in Texas. And I got hardcore like cannibal vibes. And I was like, oh, fuck, no. <laughs> and it's just like our old son, Buck, mm-hmm. right? And then we get That's these jokes. Happens. Well, <laughs> we get, 
at first before like the really bad thing happens we get this like is this supposed to be funny like moment where they're like buck was the biggest son was is big like so it's like okay they had a they had a fat kid and then it's like he's dead and they're making these fucking dead fat kid jokes and it's like what the fuck is this they do like the line where it's like buck uh could eat more in a day than anyone could eat in a whole month and then reva mcintyre goes that's why buck hated february's it's like because the month is short so we could eat less in a day what and then it's like what happened to buck oh he died in a stampede (laughs) buck got trampled to death (laughs) and everyone's like it was a mighty big loss and i'm like you're mocking this you're mocking the kid because he's fat and because he's dead what the fuck is this and then bam what happens there's a musical number about their dead son what is the first line <laughs> i i purged it from my memory i just from, remember the flash dance images from reba mcintyre <laughs> we had a son who was trampled by a ton of longhorns and then there's like a musical best. number there's like I'm, a you know how like uh you know how when you watch uh temple of doom and it starts that musical number right mm-hmm. and you're like wow spielberg really wants to do a musical and you're like man you can see it like in the energy of his scene this feels like someone put a gun to rob reiner's head and is like you have to do a musical number <laughs> uh, it's i think what makes it more aggressive too is you get North's perspective in some of the moments. And he's, like, terrified. Yeah. And they're just kind of, like, singing at him. Yeah. In, like, this wide-angle composition. And then all these dancers start coming in. hmm And it... Apologies to cats. Because <laughs> uh, this was... This was, like, viscerally upsetting. Whereas yeah, cats this- was, like, a miracle. This is kind of less jarring than some of the dance numbers in Cats. (laughs) Like, Skimbleshanks at least knew what was up. Like, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we got McCavity up in there, too, but, like... There's a better introduction to Buster Jones than anything in this movie. (laughs) You know, it it is evil. You are correct. Yeah. Um, It is. And it's just like, what in the wild fuck is going on here? And then it's this thing of... Okay, he's auditioning parents, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, suddenly you have this vision of like, what if these parents end up being like evil people that he goes to see, right? Yeah. And like, they won't let him go. And then you have this like ticking clock element in the back of your mind, right? Mm-hmm. Of like, oh, what if that's the conflict of this movie? And then it's like, nope, North's just like, ah, this isn't working out for me. And every parent he says that to is basically like, oh, okay, bye North. And you're like, what? And again, in the real world, our fucking like, our fucking foster care system is like a nightmare. And there are plenty of like nightmare stories out there. Mm -hmm. Again, this isn't like a fantastical thing. And it's, but it like that issue never comes up that maybe there's someone who doesn't want to give up North, right? Right. And then at the same time, it's like, okay, he's auditioning these parents, but none of these parents are like 
reflections of like his parents in any way of like oh you know they they they're giving him food which it wasn't a conflict <laughs> with his parents i guess they are paying attention to him at dinner but like it's what are they supposed to be what lesson are they teaching of being like oh you don't actually want parents that care too much right i guess that's the lesson um, I, I guess i mean maybe he doesn't want to be mocked like their dead overweight son yeah it's it's so awful that they keep making fun of their fat son it's so it's so needlessly cruel like what type of joke is that the kids film like i mean at least they seem to love their kid they they seem that definitely upset that he is he got killed in a stampede but the movie wants us to laugh what are the next parents, Diego? Well, for I, I want to also mention another Bruce Willis moment where he uh, he takes oh, yeah. a silver dollar, he throws it up in the air, shoots it, and gives it to to North with a little hole in it. I don't I don't understand the purpose of that, but it looks yeah. Cool I didn't like understand that. the significance of that either. Yeah. But he is also the uh, as the guardian angel figure, the one who tells North like, "Well, you want to be appreciated for who you are, not being made into someone else." And okay. it's like, okay, that's that's the attempt at a message. All right, yeah, but sure. that doesn't actually like you know it doesn't correlate to anything that he was going through prior. Yeah, I guess. Again, I think I think the thing that just fucks the movie from the start, like I said, is just that we don't really understand Norse parents at all. Like mm-hmm. we see one fight at the dinner table, which like you know it's bad, but oh, we should also mention that uh, uh, Jason Alexander and Julia Louis Dreyfus, upon the news that North is leaving, um, end up in a catatonic state. Yeah, they're even wheeled out into court, like, catatonically. Yeah, which isn't funny no. at all. It's just strange. And uh, we, get a, we get a hilarious joke where uh, the ju- Alan Argon's like, anything for the defense? And their lawyer's like, uh, the defense rests. Just get it, because they're in a catatonic state. Again, it feels, and then it's like this weird thing of, like, if they weren't in the catatonic state, does that mean they wouldn't? the conflict of the movie just wouldn't happen. Like, would they have been like, upon the news, they would have just been like, North, we apologize, I guess. I don't know. I, I, I guess so. Uh, Anyways, uh, this next stop is Hawaii. Yes. Uh, uh, the governor of Hawaii and his wife uh, try to adopt Governor Ho North. and Mrs. Ho. Yes. Um, I am not sure if those are accurate Hawaiian names. I, I am also not. But this uh, is where the movie got really gross. This is where it's like, what in the fuck? Like, <laughs> I will say there is a very bad, I, it was in the movie because I might have missed it. Um, there was a bad joke in the books. I did make it this far because I was kind of like, I have to read this section of the movie. Um, there was a bad joke that uh, they say, uh, like, hi-ho, like, and like there's like a weird like almost like who's on first like little bit of like oh high. god uh, yeah um i didn't, if there was in the movie i didn't catch that yeah it wasn't uh funny in the book <laughs> it's not what funny. i did catch is this <laughs> entire section being basically on par with war crimes and i'm this is the part where i'm not joking because the nation of hawaii was overthrown by the u.s government mm. and I, I found it really gross that the film like actively 
has the, the, the governor and his wife stating that they want it to be taken more seriously as a state in the united states and it's like if you understand anything in passing about the actual like citizens of hawaii it's that they don't want to be a state and i just it was so gross and off-putting even before what what surely is a war crime of its own later with the same sequence which i'm, I'm sure we have to get into um with the copper tone reference but uh it, it was so upsetting um, I, I recommend the, uh, there's a documentary called The Act of War, The Overthrow of the Hawaiian Nation. It's only like an hour long. Uh, it's very good and informative, and it's a very upsetting uh, yeah. like a series of events that are told um, about the, the state of Hawaii up to 1993. Yeah. So go watch it. It's, uh, this, this part was like genu- genuinely like yeah. offensive to me, and I'm not even from Hawaii. Yeah it's uh the history of hawaii is very depressing yeah yeah it's such such a beautiful land and they're telling people not to go right now because tourism is just fucking it up right now Mm. apart from covid apart from all the the shit the u.s and corporations are doing to to it and it's just that that one sent me into a little bit of a spiral frankly yeah yeah i mean to be to, to be somewhat fair to this movie for half a second like that that is something that would be like impossible to litigate you know in even like an adult film like that would be a difficult thing no for true, white, true. For yes. white filmmakers to navigate like mm-hmm. and i don't i think the book had a bit of a different slant than the movie did i think there's more like a we like the hawaiians are kind of angry in the book that like they're just looked at as a tourist destination i don't think the comment about wanting to be treated equally as a state is in the book Okay. I think, and like, I, I, I got the sense that there was a little bit more of an edge to it in the book. Um, also, what might be the worst line in the movie, I didn't find in the book. It might have been there, but I was speed reading it. You can check it out the book if you want to read it. It's on archive.org, which is how I read it. <laughs> so if you have an account there, it's free. You can borrow it and then read it. Um, yeah. Uh, you, you, wanna... you can say it. No, I don't want to say it. All right. Um, <laughs> Good luck. Well, Governor Ho is doing like all this horrible shit of just like, like all this, like what white people think about when they think about Hawaii type shit, you know, of like, oh, we are, we have 17 words for what, you know, like whatever they were saying. It's, it's all like cringe stuff, you know, mm-hmm. of just like, I think he would want to talk about other things, <laughs> I guess is what I'm saying um but then he goes uh to north he's like hawaii it's like well, why do you uh why do you want kids I, I don't remember what leads to this conversation as if there needs to be a justification for why they want to adopt north you know like mm-hmm. this line doesn't need to be there but they go why do you why do you want me and he's like well hawaii is a lush and fertile land in fact there is only one barren area on all of our islands unfortunately it's mrs ho This is a children's film. I believe I, I texted you. Yeah. <laughs> you my response gov- to that. You said, uh, you just said, the governor of Hawaii just called his wife Baron. <laughs> and then you you went, oh, this is evil. <laughs> uh, which is accurate. Yeah. Um, uh, did you know who played uh, Mrs. Ho, by the way? Uh, no, actually. It's uh, Lauren Tom, who uh, you might know 
as uh, the voice of Amy Wong on Futurama, um, as well as oh. Gizmo on Teen Titans. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm looking up right now. She was Dana in Batman Beyond. Yeah, yeah. So she's she's uh, got a big voiceover acting career. Oh, and another codename Kids Next Door alum. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, she was number three. Mm -hmm. I totally forgot. Um, Wow, bringing it all back. Oh, and King of the Hill. Yeah. As as Min and Connie. (laughs) See, she's got a good career. It's unfortunate she had to be in this movie. Yeah. I hope she got paid well. I'm betting she wasn't Mm -hmm. (laughs) to play that. Because who would say yes to that? Yeah, that's a boy. Um, uh, we haven't talked about maybe even something worse that happens in um, the sequence. Sure. This is in the book, by the way. Oh, this oh next, fucking this boy. Next, this next part. Yeah. Um, the governor reveals uh, that they... Also, Hawaii, we gotta say, Hawaii is like... Again, it's like a cartoon version of Hawaii. Yeah, like, like they, it, they... They're like... like North they're, arrives on like like a kayak they're yeah they're like on rafts and stuff like that it's there's there's everyone's doing like the hula dance and stuff like that yeah and it's like the it's it's like the enchanted tiki room of like whole versions of hawaii you know mm-hmm. like like everyone thought, like mulan is like a Dis- disney vacation of that kind of stuff and mulan i'm not mulan uh fucking moana did a better job you know <laughs> like, yeah yeah and and that even that's not perfect like it's, oh, it's so bad. No, but it's... what saves Moana is that it is a perfect film. Um, sure. Okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I really sure. like Moana. Yeah, I the wanna... governor reveals. I really that like. They, they... I, I really like Moana too. It'd be weird if the reason Disney greenlit that film was to help promote their new Hawaiian resort place they had just built. That would be really weird and gross. <laughs> and then you have the uh, young actress who is basically unknown, basically go out do interviews talking about how great the hotel is. Yeah, that would be really weird and gross. Yeah. Also, they did Hawaii better with fucking Lilo and Stitch. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the best Disney movie. There is a cut scene in Lilo and Stitch, which like is one of those where like, if I had a million dollars, I would pay to just have that scene reinserted into the movie where uh, Lilo gets pissed off at tourists. Yeah. Who are very uh, mean and racist towards her in a like passive, like microaggressive kind of way that you can get away with in a Disney film, mm-hmm. um, which would have been a really good scene because it, it's a way where... Uh, Lilo and Stitch could bond over their mutual interest in destruction. <laughs> it would. It would. A nice little movie. Um, I'm just trying to think of anything better than this. Like, yeah, yeah. All right, well, here, right, now, now talk, I have talk, to mention the, the moment, because mm-hmm, this is right. when it also becomes even more evil. Uh, the governor and his wife reveal that they're, they want to use North to promote tourist campaigns, mm-hmm. uh, where they have North kind of uh, made up on a billboard referencing the classic Coppertone ad with uh, North's bare buttocks. Mm-hmm. And he says, my crack a lot. Yeah, it's so strange. It's like yeah. not funny. It's just odd. It's odd. Um, pretty sure it's a violation of several laws <laughs> for them to do that. It is kind of weird to think about it. The Coppertone ad was like as popular today. It would like start a riot yeah like that is kind of odd mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. but hey um yeah uh what a yeah just keep saying crack yeah i keep saying crack and 
Um, Rob Reiner's uh, currently being arrested by the FBI. <laughs> yeah, FBI, open up. Yeah. <laughs> Rob Ladies Reiner's and gentlemen, there. we got him. We got him. <laughs> Apologies, sir, for Rob Reiner, but not really. Sorry. It's, it's just strange. Like, it, is, it really is. It's not one of those things where I'm like watching this being like, like I, you're not thinking anything creepy, really. You're just like, what? what is this? Like, it's more strange than anything else. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, and then, uh, oh, thank God the beach bum shows up. Oh, wait, it's not the beach bum. It's Bruce Willis again. <laughs> if it was the Matthew McConaughey beach bum. It would have saved the movie. Yeah. It kind of would have. It was like, oh, that was the trick. Rob yeah. Reiner was secretly trying the Trojan horse, the beach bum upon American <laughs> audiences. <laughs> It's like, oh, now I get it, Rob Reiner. Yeah. <laughs> this is a subversive masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> but no. Um, what the hell? Is anything he says here actually poignant? I didn't understand it, really. Uh, no. I, I, I kind of didn't get any of what he was saying. Um, I got the Wikipedia article open, and it says that he explains to North that parents should not use children for personal gain. While that is correct, mm-hmm. uh, I did not get that from the film. So. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I mean, it's one thing for like personal gain. It's another thing to put your fucking kids naked ass on a billboard. <laughs> like, yeah, um, I get that it's supposed to be the cartoon version of it. But like, also was I don't know. What the fuck, man? It, it's still fucked like, up. It's still get, fucking weird. Okay, like, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, let's say you want to set this up in some way, <laughs> right? I don't, but okay. But maybe there's a scene where it's like North is embarrassed when it because whenever his parents have company over, they want to show his baby photos, right? Mm-hmm. And North's like, oh, how embarrassing. And then like this is like the like logical extreme of that, you know, of like, yeah. oh, you're on a billboard with your naked ass. And it's and it's like, oh, okay, I guess when my parents show baby pictures, it's not actually that bad when I think about it. They aren't putting me on a billboard to make money. That seems like a very easy thing to shoehorn into this 87 minute movie. <laughs> Anyways, well, we, we go to Alaska now. Okay. Well, you know, Alaska's not that bad. What could they really, you know, what could they do here? An Inuit village in Alaska. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, oh, hey, there's a really funny joke. Um, when the plane lands, uh, there's ice on the runway. And the plane kind of just skids, you know, like how, how, how your car does sometimes. And it skids on the runway. And then it just kind of lightly taps the window. Yep. Oh, how hysterical. <laughs> no, but I see, have... the, the pilot mentions that, like, you know, they, uh, they, they dented a few of them, but they get it right now. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, which makes it all okay. All right. You you take this one. I'm uh... it's I will say it's a little wild that it's like, okay, we start off with like the Texan parents. Like that's a stereotype that like you can kind of play with, right? Yeah. Like I I had a layover in Dallas once. It's the only time I've ever been to Texas. And like half the people in the airport were wearing cowboy hats. Like that's <laughs> Texas. Like, whatever. Like, I'm not even like that's not even bad, you know? Like it's Pee-wee. You don't remember Pee-wee's in the phone booth? And he just leans out and goes, the stars at night are big and bright. Everyone sings along. Like, yeah, who doesn't love Pee Wee? Yeah, it's like a, it's a, it's, you can have fun with Texas stereotypes in that capacity, right? 
Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, I can see. It's not funny in this movie, but you could do something with it. The next two are indigenous peoples. Like, where did this left turn come from? <laughs> Both American. Like, it's not like North went to, like, the Arctic Circle, right? Like, yeah. he's in Alaska, so it's two occupied lands. <laughs> like, why? Why were these the ones he went to? Yeah, I don't know. That is weird. Like, it, and it's it, that's in the book, too, where I'm like, I don't understand why this is the sequence of events we're going to, you know? I had the Blood Meridian tab still open from what we're talking about before we were recording. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, you know, I probably, I'd probably watch that movie instead of this one again. Yeah, not looking so when they, Whenever it's made, because it will happen at some point. Probably, probably by the time, like, our culture has totally moved on and it looks really dated. <laughs> like, yeah, which just happens, but hey. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, did we did we talk about Blood Meridian on the show? I think that was before we started recording. Yeah, now yeah, no, before, before. Now no one has any idea why we were also looking up Blood Meridian anyway. Yeah, because um, Blood Meridian's awesome. Yeah, uh, fun book. Everyone should put it on their summer reading list. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you've got kids in school, hand them a copy of Blood nope, Meridian. No, 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 don't do it'll, that. Um, it'll open their minds. Um, anyway, yeah, it's he's in Alaska and he goes to an Inuit village but get it their igloos are like our houses in the suburbs isn't that funny there's he's not mowing the grass he's mowing the snow isn't that funny and then it's really funny when he opens the garage uh, or the, the, the fucking igloo with like a garage door and all and the, the dogs go in isn't that hysterical this was made in 1994 <laughs> and even then it was dated yeah exactly like it's not it's it's it was dated if it had been done like the year alaska entered the union like it's not like oh my god um is this the part right. you should read uh some some ebert we'll get to Ebert. i think i'm gonna save ebert for the end because okay. his, his review is kind of perfect so okay. all right give him some credit uh they cast actual native american actor graham green as the alaskan father who uh, you have probably seen it at some point if you've watched movies. Uh, he's I, terrific. But, One of those guys who just hasn't gotten his due, really, because mm-hmm. he's not a white guy. Yeah, so. it, there's nothing in this country, really, unfortunately, for actors that aren't white still. Like, yeah. it's that's just where we're at. It sucks. Um, he, he's got an Academy Award nomination for Dances with Wolves, like four years before this movie. And now he, he is doing this. So it's like, oh okay, Graham Greene. Boom! Kathy Bates in red face. Yeah, I had a pretty visceral response to that. And it's, yeah, here's what's weird too. Uh, I believe I, I don't I I I believe Lauren Tom is Asian. I believe she is not uh, Native Hawaiian. Uh, Governor Ho was Hawaiian. Uh, in this instant, the uh, the father again is actually native american and then the the mother isn't like what's that like that's a weird double tap right there um, well you know it's kathy bates american also, icon you know i don't know graham green but you know we let's say you're on set and it's like first day of shooting Kathy Bates walks on set looking like that. Um, 
what you know would you pull rob reiner aside and say hey maybe don't do this <laughs> like maybe let's just for the sake of argument say this movie read better than it works as a movie and let's say that there was something graham green's like okay like i'm willing to make a joke here and there about you know alaskan indigenous people <laughs> but you're it's it's red faced yep it it looks like fucking like john ford era red face yep. like it's it's you all it's it's so bad you almost want to give them the benefit of that being like maybe the joke is that she's in red face that like it's supposed to be cartoony it doesn't earn it at all but like what the fuck man um and then Abe Vigoda comes out and they didn't even bother to like make him <laughs> they didn't put red face on him no no it's they just, just Abe Vigoda they just kept him Italian I gotta say one thing I kind of love about revisiting movies in the 90s is that there are so many movies where Abe Vigoda is showing up and the joke is that like he's on like death's door <laughs> like that's every Abe Vigoda joke Abe Vigoda held in there for 20 more fucking years god bless him <laughs> <laughs> God bless Abe Vigoda. <laughs> yeah, well, here, this was also fucking. This is, like, yeah, it's whoa. like, like, how dare you? Like, um, we, it, there's the, it's, all right, uh, that we find out that, like, Norris, like, oh, this is a good family. Like, I'm liking it here. And then they're like, okay, we have to take uh, grandfather out to, to the, to the ocean. Like, why are we doing that? And it's like, well, when our elderly get too old, we put them out on ice and let them float out to die with dignity. Which I'm not an expert. <laughs> I believe this is something that, like, there's maybe like one recorded instance in history of this happening. Like, and of course, there are instances of like the elderly being killed, like, not just indigenous populations. Like, this is something that happens in history, right? Mm -hmm. But like, the way they do it in this movie, it's like fucking Belzer shows up and is like doing like shitty stand up at like, oh no, it wasn't Belzer. It was, who was it? Was it Belzer? No. Yeah, it was it was Richard was Belzer. It? Yeah. Um, oh my god. Yeah, as like, come on, pops your numbers up, get on the ice. And it's like the joke is, oh, they got like an old, they got like an old uh fucking chair and a TV so they can watch fucking Bonanza or something. Matlock, as they float out to die. And there's a joke about him being like, well, you know, if you guys ever if you get change the the way of things around here, you know, feel free to come get me. Because that's, that's really funny to joke about that horror, like, instance in such horrific fashion. Yeah. Um, it's, it's bad. This is all so gross. Yeah, it's, it's bad. Um, it's so bad. It's incredibly bad. Uh, all right, then to go, cut back to the B story, I guess. This is when we find out that uh, fucking Winchell and John Lovitz... So I gotta say, I think John Lovitz is like kind of like kind of right wingy these days. Mm -hmm. Um, but there is something just inherently funny about John Lovitz. Like, I don't know what it is, like the way he carries himself just makes me laugh a lot. Mm -hmm. And he sells some lines that really shouldn't work. Um, but we find out like, okay, back the kid is now starting a business basically where kids can sue their parents and 
It's like, oh, the, this topsy-turvy world where the parents are now cleaning children's bedrooms and stuff like that. Which is also something that happened on Kids Next Door. Do you remember that? No. All right. There's a, this is, this is going to be the wildest thing if you don't know Codename Kids Next Door. There is an episode of Codename Kids Next Door that is an episode-long parody of the second renaissance from the Animatrix. What? You remember this? No. It is it is a it is a parody like one to one of that sequence and it's this thing of like actually children created adults and adults were meant to do the bidding of children and like like children were arrogant. It's like the original sin of children. It's like oh fascinating. And then like one day a parent like spanked their kid and then like that started like this revolution, you know? Like it's it's wild. <laughs> It's uh, and yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's it's a one to one parody of the fucking second Renaissance, <laughs> and again, a lesson handled better on that show. <laughs> and that families are like a compromise that uh, children and adults made, but then adults kind of like betrayed them, and that we're all being brainwashed at school. <laughs> oh my, good fucking lord. It's a, it's yeah. We should watch Kevin Kids Next Door. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it's on HBO Max. It's almost it was like on Cartoon a, Network. Should we do like a retrospective on it? Like, I feel like that's a show where we could just like watch the seasons and we don't have to go like every episode. We could just like do I don't know, maybe maybe that could down be, the line that'd be kind of fun. It could be like a five episode thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm writing that down. Yeah, that would be you know that wouldn't um, be the worst thing we've ever done. Yeah, it wouldn't. Um, what is the worst thing we've done? It might be this movie. <laughs> it, this is up there. No, I, I Book of Henry like ruined my day. I'm like upset at North, but I'm gonna be able to have a good day after this. I will say North and Book of Henry are two movies where like when I watch them, I kind of like go like, I guess No Way Home wasn't that bad. <laughs> no, no, No Way Home had some okay stuff. Yeah, it's like the movie is a movie. <laughs> it's like. Whereas this is just like, it's like a zero. It's a 0. 0.0. All right. And then thankfully we get a montage. Also, I was kind of amazed that it's like, um, I, for some reason, I thought like the Alaskan stuff happened like later in the film. It's like the midpoint of the movie. Yeah. It's, it's, it's got some stuff still going. It's like yeah. 40 minutes left at least. We get a montage, thankfully. Uh, oh, we, the we, power of a montage. You need yeah. to fucking speed your movie along. Um, we get the Amish. The Amish scene kind of goes on a little long. I mean, whatever. That's like classic, like they don't like technology jokes, right? Like, yeah, but then he like leaves like immediately. And he's like, yeah. step on it. And the plane like flies away. Yeah, it's like real quick, like whatever. Um, he goes to, um, I believe, Zaire, which. Oh my God, I forgot. I know, I know. Oh my god! Um, it's like, it it's like, it's it's like I can't even say it. Like, they're straight up like living in like huts and shit like that, you know. Like, mm-hmm. and not like it's not like historically accurate huts, and like it's no. not like you know there are. It's 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 like King Kong huts, you know. Like not not even. Peter Jackson King Kong huts. It's like the 1933 King Kong. And the joke is that uh, the one um, 
woman isn't wearing anything covering her breasts. We don't see it. They don't show it. It feels like that's a line this movie would cross, but they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's the joke, which it's just like, I don't even want to unpack like the 27,000 things wrong with that. But like, I assume we all understand that that's bad. Yes. Um, he goes to China where he's worshipped as uh, an emperor. Um, something China hasn't had in a long time. <laughs> uh, this is something this movie reminded me of, though. Uh, did you have that classic, like, if you wouldn't, like, eat your, if you wouldn't, like, finish your dinner, like, your parent would pull that. There's kids starving in XYZ yes. right now. Did you yes. All right. When I was younger, and, like, maybe I'm just being historically ignorant here, but when I was younger, which is, like, late 90s, early 2000s, uh, my mom would be like, there are children starving in China right now. And uh, I know there's like still like huge class disparity in China and stuff like that. But like the, the starving in China thing comes from like the great leap forward, which like did lead to a genuine famine from when my mom was a child. <laughs> and I'm like, so my mom like does she think china is still like that and i guess north shows that some people really do (laughs) um and then we go to paris where everyone's got like beret like they've got like berets and shit like that and all all their tvs are just 24 7 jerry lewis movies because i don't know if anyone knows this but that that's like a stereotype is that like the, the french love jerry lewis I don't even know if that's true. I can it's feel just... my brain pushing out like the memories of this movie. Like I mm. swear to God, like mm-hmm. I barely remember the Paris stuff. I remember the Zaire and China stuff mm. and I feel it leaving. I know. If it stays, it will kill me. Yeah, it, but it's also like, it's one thing where like, it's so offensive and then it's so boring too. Like mm-hmm. it's this thing where like, this movie has gotten like, I'm guessing up to this point, this movie has got like zero emotional charge out of you, right? Yeah. Like, except anger. Because yeah, anger is an emotion. Exactly. Like, you're bored out of your fucking skull. And then, like, it just suddenly, for like a good chunk in the middle, it's just like insanely racist. And I want to say that, that I think that the racism is adds up to maybe 20 minutes of the 87 minute movie, right? And then it's just like that never comes back. Like, we just got racist out of nowhere. <laughs> Which I guess is the white experience in this country. <laughs> you're, you're, you know, I'm talking, you're talking to someone, you're having a good conversation, and then out of fucking nowhere, they drop some crazy shit. <laughs> Which I've had a few family reunions, so it happens. I was at my, I was at my grandfather's uh, funeral, and we had like some older relatives I hadn't seen in a while. And I was talking to this guy, and he was like pretty cool. And then like, we were kind of talking about how things were a little crazy right now. And like, I'm trying to get off the topic as quickly as possible. Cause I know what can happen. Mm-hmm. And like, I was like, you know what? I think things went wrong in this country. Oh, no. And I didn't ask, <laughs> but he just said it. He said, when women started working. Oh no. <laughs> and like things got quiet enough, but then he was like, eh, maybe I shouldn't talk about this. And I was like, and we were all like, yeah, you should. And then we all just <laughs> went back to eating. Yeah. So, you know, the dude was 87. I, you know, he's only going to be sexist for a few more years. 
I mean, that is the good thing about this. Like, if these are beliefs that Rob Reiner seriously held, and I, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt as well and say, like, no, it probably doesn't, um, at least not to this extent. You know, he's not going to be around forever. Mm-hmm. His dad died recently. Yeah. Uh, somehow. that the great, They're only, they're not the great, that far apart in age. The great Carl Reiner. Yeah, the great Carl Reiner, um, whose last little tidbit was uh, a... Um, yeah, we saw that. What was the, uh, the fucking TikTok. What was that again? It was uh, no for uh, what is it? Oh God, uh, Quibby, Quibby, <laughs> Quibby is already leaving my brain. Yeah, the Quibby reenactment of a Princess Bride, and yeah. he gets the final line of dialogue, and it's the final thing he ever did uh, in this industry on planet Earth, and it's a wonderful little moment, and it's just fucking on Quibby. Yeah, forever. I guess it's it's it it speaks to the power of the Princess Bride. Like this movie, like doesn't taint that, you know. Yeah. Like if that movie wasn't as good, it would taint like all of Rob Reiner's other movies. Mm-hmm. Like it's so just fucking awful. I guess yeah. it, it's kind of cool that Carl Reiner, like you could Rob Reiner was old enough to play the Carl Reiner role in the Ocean's movies. And it's kind of cool that they just went with Carl Reiner instead. Yeah. Like, it is wild that it's like that movie that's like kind of like praised for being like, oh, look at all these cool hip guys, like at the peak of their power. And it's like, and also Carl Reiner. Yeah. <laughs> that is the stuff I kind of love about those movies. Oh, yeah. No, they're fucking great. Those are, those are like peak five star, like audience entertainment movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I get a kick out of every single one of them. I gotta say, they are kind of aging weird, just with the Vegas of it all. Like Vegas has like such weird connotations these days. I yeah of, yeah, of but I, I mean like in terms of like sheer entertainment, like they're wonderfully directed. They're very, they're very, and like they're the few rare movies where like star power can really carry you through them. Yeah, it's it's also weird that Al Pacino is straight up playing Donald Trump in the last one. Oh yeah, yeah, like that's weird. That's a little weird, yeah. <laughs> um so oh, yeah i guess we kind of speed run through the finale because it, it ends well to kill myself i guess here's like one good spot in the movie john ritter shows up oh yeah i love john ritter we all R. love R. john ritter King. he's good in this the movie's not good but he does his job mm-hmm. um and here the nicest thing i'll say about this sequence is it's the one part that's not mean spirited yeah i kind of thought for a second it was going to be like well we want you and they're not going to let him go back to his parents but it was like no, we're not your parents. Uh, you have your parents who care about you. Uh, we care about you enough to support you on your journey. And I was like, okay, there's like some, there's almost something whole here. Yeah, almost. Mm-hmm. But there isn't. All right, here's a, here's a horrible thought I just had. Oh, please, uh, please don't. Uh, well, Bruce Willis shows up as the guardian angel throughout the movie. We don't see it. But where did he show up in Zaire, China, and Paris? I'm 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 not I'm not engaging like, with this. J- just thinking about that for like half a second, it's like the the answers could only be some horrible shit. Like, it's all awful. It's so awful. This movie's awful. Um, I will say that I gotta say, uh, in the Siskel and Ebert review, they they call the movie hateful, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they, they use that term a lot and I want to say like what's so weird about the racism in this is that it doesn't like feel spiteful or angry in any way you know yeah it's kind of like just and it's it's it 
it's mean spirited, but it, it doesn't feel like it's trying to be mean spirited, you know, mm-hmm. like it's not that Colin Trevorrow, like we're like, you kind of get a window into that. He might be a deeply unpleasant person because of what he find, gets enjoyment out of. <laughs> like it's, it's this weird, like clearly no one was questioning any of this. It's just, it's awful. Um, yeah, we can speed run it, I guess. Um, all right, here's something weird. So, like, Griswold shows up as a comedian named Joey Fingers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, who isn't funny. No. <laughs> None of that's funny. Um, Joey Fingers shows up in the book, doesn't do really any of the stuff he does here, and then he has the one scene, the, the one part of the book that actually made me laugh out loud, where, like, Joey Fingers and North kind of go on a little adventure, and... Joey Fingers is at the end of his like, okay, now that I've helped you, North, I can finally get started with the rest of my life. And then the next sentence is like, and then Joey Fingers dropped dead. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Like that's a joke. Yeah. It's like Joey Fingers just has a heart attack and just dies. Oh my God. I think in the book, he's supposed to be like an old comedian. Like he's supposed to be like if like Groucho Marx was like still alive in the 90s. Okay, like, okay. So like, I think that's the joke, but it's this weird, like, what the fuck? Um, oh, who is the woman at the airport? Um, when North is like, I'm getting, oh, Winchell is like, if North comes back, it's going to ruin all our business plans. We have to stop him from coming back. Um, and they catch a deal to basically have North assassinated. Oh my God. Yes. Uh, by Robert Costanzo, who plays like Al, the Tenchman guy. Yeah. Who is from Total Recall. Recall, recall. Yeah. Don't fuck with your brain, pal. Yeah. Um, he's, he's the guy who's also like, if Danny DeVito isn't av- available, <laughs> we'll yeah. get him. Like, you <laughs> Fuck, that movie's so fucking good. Got himself lobotomized. <laughs> um, yeah, he's 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 a good guy. He's it's kind of funny. You know what? There is something kind of like wild about like he is just trying to shoot north. Like, yeah, no, and it just fucking cuts to it. They're like, we have to stop him from returning. And then the next time you see that character, he's chasing north. And with shooting a, at him. I was a, like, wait, what? Did I fucking miss something? So I rewound it and I didn't. It just does that. It's not like the wet bandits where it's like, the wet bandits, like, yeah, they're going to kill Kevin McAllister, but they're not like just sh- shooting at him. Like they always kind of pull out a gun in like the last scene before Kevin is saved. Mm-hmm. But like, there's no, like, what the fuck? This does feel, it's, this kind of feels like a post Home Alone movie of like kids rule type shit, you know? Yeah. And like it just totally misses the mark. Um, but yeah, it's wild that this guy's just running around killing North. That to the point where like he thinks he got him because he finds North's baseball cat cap with blood on it, but it's just ketchup. But like it looks like a bloody chilled child's baseball cap. I know, I know, it's so horrific. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's bad. Um also, I gotta say, they talk about North being like, oh, he's this, this, uh, this is going back to the beginning where they talk about like child prodigy North. And it's like, he's got a 91 average. And it's like, fucking, I knew kids who, if they had a 91 average, they would have a fucking breakdown. <laughs> like, that was like considered low ball in, in my school. Whoa. Yeah. You know, 
Like, I'm just saying, like, I'm not saying every kid was like a, a major academic achiever. I wasn't one of them. Mm-hmm. But the kids who were were the type of people who would freak out if they got like a 97. Like, that was considered too low. Mm. It's like an A minus instead of an A was like a bad. But hey, yeah. um, yeah, Joey Fingers, he sucks. He picks him up, drops him at the airport. There's this terrible comedy bit of like, you can't get on this plane. Why? Because you're dead. And it's like the kid, there's a newspaper that says North assassinated. <laughs> and uh, it goes on for, it, it's one of these things where like, I think it adds up to maybe like 15 seconds of him going back and forth. But it this, feels longer. It feels so long and it's like not funny at all. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like something they might've taken straight out of the book. Cause like it definitely reads like something that maybe would read funnier and the way it's done just isn't funny, but it like sucks. Um, yeah. There's a lot of running around. Kids are after North. There's kids are trying to stop him too. Cause mm-hmm. it'll, it'll ruin everything. Um, he gets picked up by a federal express man who is Bruce Willis again, a little too quick to suddenly bring back like another Bruce Willis cameo. Like and you got Bruce Willis to make him fucking work, I guess. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's not what I should say after. Yeah, hey. My bad. That was not intentional. In 1994, maybe you do. In 1994, yes. Um, But yeah, whatever. He gets back with his fucking parents. Like, and then it turned out it was all a dream. The dream, he wakes up from the dream because he's running to hug his parents at the last minute. And the, the, the hitman is there hiding, comes out and shoots him. I couldn't and, fucking believe it. I, I thought know. it was like uh, uh, Mac and me. Yes, where the kid got shot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, God. It, uh, this movie took me on a ride that I didn't want to go on. And my life is lesser for it. Mm-hmm. I truly, truly believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there, there's really no positive here. It... uh. Uh, oh, Gabby's silver dollar still in North's pocket. Yeah. Oh, because uh, he wakes up at the mall. The mall is now closed, and Bruce Willis is leaving. Easter Bunny Bruce Willis, and he's like packed up his gear, and he's like, "You still here, kid? I'll give you a ride home." Um, not sure if that's a lesson you want to impart to children, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was horrible. Um, like, like I get it. Like in the mountain of things wrong with this movie, like playing fast and loose with stranger danger is like at the bottom but like no um i will say that that last bit with bruce willis really reminded me of like just like his charm as a leading man because like he's got a rugged like american masculine nature but like his best performances always kind of have this like real warmth and humanity underneath like his demeanor and yeah uh, and i mean and and i miss he, it you know he makes sense as the guardian angel in a movie where it's like north kind of needs to just like wake up and realize uh you know the grass is always greener on the other side like that his parents mm-hmm. are actually fine like which is the lesson that bruce willis keeps trying to impart you know yeah. and bruce willis seems like the guy you would cast to make that as because like you said yeah, yeah he's a rugged like kind of man type and he's kind of telling north to like grow up a little bit you know Mm-hmm. Like, and, and not in a like cruel way either yeah in, yeah in, in a like you know he gets the line of the movie which is like be it ever so humble there's no place like home and then you're like okay i guess that was the message mm-hmm. and then his parents are there and they're like oh we were so worried about you we called everyone blah 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 we didn't leave the house but uh we uh 
we were we we looked everywhere and he's like i'm sorry blah 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 and it's like okay i guess his uh i guess uh his parents were all right and the movie's over um 12 million dollar box office on a 40 million dollar budget it's probably still too high frankly yeah um can you imagine being taken to a theater to see this I would be convinced my parents hated me. Um, yeah, you should. Yeah. If they didn't leave, like my dad would find excuses to leave movies he didn't like. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it happened a few times, but um, he was right in most instances. Mm. Uh, but yeah, um, I think this movie has basically no cultural value. Uh, it's only notable in that it ended Rob Reiner's basically streak and he never recovered. It would basically be forgotten if it wasn't for the Siskel and Ebert review, um, where they call, like, they say they were unclean while watching it, <laughs> like, which I believe is the actual phrase they use, like, um, <laughs> the most thoroughly hateful I'm not going to put the trailer to this, by the way. I'm going to put their review. Yeah, that's, that's all you need. And then yeah. not only did, like, they give it a terrible review, then when it came to worst of the year list... Uh, they both picked it as worst of the worst of the year and they didn't tell each other. So like they surprised each other, but, <laughs> but also didn't surprise each other because they both realized it was terrible. Yeah. Um, and they just talk about how it's just like evil and awful. And like, it's one of those things where sometimes like you'll watch, like, you know, like there's kind of, there's the Siskel and Ebert, like where they're talking about slasher movies. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're like part of it. Yeah. They're making good points about like the kind of like, weird sexism that was cropping up in media at the time but other times they're kind of like not identifying why people like horror movies you know yeah like there's a little pearl clutching in some of their reviews that like hasn't aged perfectly but north they are like they're almost like too kind on the movie like because even ebert like in his one is like he ends his review where he's like rob reiner has made one fantastic film after another like i just have to assume north is like a weird aberration and like that's like being too kind you know like mm-hmm. and Cisco calls him on it he's like he's like i think you gotta rake rob reiner over the coals like he's saying this is entertainment and it's not it's first class junk like yeah um and ebert gave it zero stars <laughs> which is kind of rare <laughs> even for ebert um i do you mind if i read from his yeah video? yeah go for it uh i'll read i got chunks of it so here's from his room i have no idea why why rob reiner or anyone else wanted to make this story into a movie and close examination of the film itself is no help north is one of the most unpleasant contrived artificial cloying experiences i've had at the movies to call it manipulative would be inaccurate inaccurate it has ambitions to manipulate but fails (laughs) the film stars elijah wood who is a wonderful young actor. And if you don't believe me, watch his version of The Adventures of Huck Finn. Here he is stuck in a story that no actor, however wonderful, however young, should be punished with. (laughs) He plays a kid with inattentive parents who decides to go to court, free himself of them, and then go on a worldwide search for nicer parents. This idea is deeply flawed. Children do not lightly separate from their parents, and certainly not on the evidence provided here, uh, where the great parental sin is not paying enough attention to their kid at, di- at the dinner table. 
The parents, Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Jason Alexander, have provided Little North with what looks like a million-dollar house in a Frank Capra neighborhood, all on his dad's salary as a pants inspector. And I, I, and yes, I know it's supposed to be a fantasy, but the pants inspecting jokes are only the first of several truly awful episodes in this film. North goes to court, where Judge Alan Arkin, providing without the slightest shadow of a doubt that he should never, ever appear again in public with any material even vaguely inspired by Groucho Marx. North's case hits the headlines, and since he is such an all-star overachiever, offers pour in from would-be parents all over the world, leading to an odyssey that takes him to Texas, Hawaii, Alaska, and elsewhere. Um, what is the point of the auditioning parents? The victimized actors include Dan Aykroyd as a Texan and Kathy Bates as an Eskimo. <laughs> I'm not sure if Eskimo is the politically correct term these days, but hey. Um, they are all seen as broad, desperate comic characters. <laughs> they are not funny. They are not touching. There is no truth in them. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even work as parodies. There is an idiocy here that seems almost intentional, as if the filmmakers plotted to leave anything of interest or entertainment value out of these episodes. Um, North is followed on these travels by a mysterious character who appears in many guises. He is the Easter Bunny, a cowboy, a beach bum, and a Federal Express driver who works in several product plugs. That was a big thing. If you ever watch like old Cisco and Ebert, they really hate product placement in movies. They would fucking them. they would fucking kill themselves with the modern movie landscape. God um, bless them. Yeah, funny, funny. Thinks North. This guy looks familiar, and so he is. All of them manif are manifestations are played by Bruce Willis, who is not funny or helpful in any of them. All right, here comes the line. I think everyone knows. He he used this later for a title of one of his books. I hated this movie. Hated, 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 hated this movie. Hated it. Hated every simpering, stupid, vacant, audience-insulting moment of it. Hated the sensibility that thought anyone would like it. Hated the implied insult to the audience by his belief that anyone would be entertained by it. Um, I hold it as an item of faith that Rob Reiner is a gifted filmmaker. Among, him, among his credits are... This is Spinal Tap, The Sure Thing, The Princess Bride, Stand By Me, When Harry Met Sally, and Misery. I list those titles as an incantation against this one. <laughs> North is a bad film, one of the worst movies ever made, but it is not by a bad filmmaker and must represent some sort of lapse from which um, Reiner will recover, and possibly sooner than I will. The end. Wow. That yeah. could have won the Pulitzer. I know. He did win the Pulitzer for criticism, but it wasn't for that review. <laughs> oh, what did he win for? You know, I forget, but he won. Like, I believe oh, he's the him. first uh, guy to win the Pulitzer. Like, the first movie critic to win for criticism. Hmm. Um, so. He won it in 1975. I'm sorry. There you go. Yeah. Huh. Um, he, he used to write, like, a lot of, like, really politically charged criticism, like, back in the day. Good for him. Um, yeah. Uh, check out Life is... Uh, Life itself. Oh yeah, that's Ebert, a great one. Ebert documentary. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, you know Ebert. Honestly, Ebert's weird. Where like sometimes 
he's like just wildly off the mark with certain movies, right? Yeah. Other times, it's weird, like he's kind of got this reputation of being like a harsh critic, but sometimes it feels like he's often like the one guy defending like a movie that like no one is defending for good reason. Yeah. But I can't tell you the amount of times I've gone to like review the review section on a Wikipedia page and it's like critic after critic trashing the film. And then it's like, Roger Ebert gave it three stars and his <laughs> review amounts to like, I don't know. I liked it. Like, <laughs> and, but like when he was on the money, he was on the money. And like North is a, his review of North is a perfect example of that. Where it's just like, like, like it's easy to skewer a movie. Like that was like, like fucking laser precision right there. Like, of just like he got everything that was wrong with the movie in his review Mm -hmm. and like didn't even have to go to like the levels of like 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 there's them like all the hateful racism in it right yeah and like he definitely like points that out but is like you have to understand the movie is like worse beyond that like it's like everything is wrong and it is and uh, (laughs) there's no reason to watch the movie um but like i said it's on youtube for free if you are uh if you hate yourself enough. That's fair. Um, I, I don't hate myself enough to ever rewatch this. I, yeah. I will never rewatch it, but what I will rewatch is uh, Rob Reiner's good movies, like uh-huh. the princess bride. Yeah. When Harry met Sally stand by me. And this is spinal tap and misery. I like misery. The princess bride, which to like this day is one of those movies that like, I will put on if I'm in a bad mood, you know? Mm. Like, and it, it like, it makes me feel better by the end of it. Yeah. That and when Harry met Sal are kind of my, some of my go-tos, like I, both of those yeah. are five-star pictures yeah, as both, far as I'm concerned. Both great. Yeah. Um, this I is love Tap is also, I would argue five stars. I just don't put it on as often. No, it's, it's so wild. I would argue that it's like, like I said, it's like Spinal Tap, Stand By Me, Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, Misery. Like I would maybe give five stars to all those movies. Like I love those movies. They're fantastic. And he just never recovers. It's, it's wild. I don't think, and I, I have to point out, I think one of the reasons is you said you tried to like, look up like what the fuck happened here. Right. Yeah. And I just like, found fucking there's, nothing. There's nothing. And unfortunately, I think part of it is that Rob Reiner stands by this movie. Uh, he, in an interview in 2016, no. um, he said, I love doing it. And some of the best jokes I've ever had in a movie are in that movie. I really have no fucking idea what he's talking about. Um, I made this little fable and people got mad at me because, you know, I, w- I had done Harry Met Sally, Misery, and A Few Good Men. And everyone said, oh, it should be more important kind of movie. I said, why? Why can't you just make a little slice of a fable or something? And it's like, that's not what this movie is. Yeah, like, I agree with his sentiment. He's He's dead fucking wrong about this movie. Yeah, like as the a sentiment, a, I think is appropriate. No, it's I, I was thinking about that with the Cohen brothers recently. Where like, there's this weird like because I believe Ebert gave like Raising Arizona like one star. Whoa. Like, yeah, like there's some. I think it's I think one of their movies he gives like, and he gave like Miller's Crossing a negative review. Jesus. There's, yeah, there's like this weird thing. It's you forget the Cohen brothers kind of weren't respected for a long time, and there's yeah, this weird like track where people are like these guys are all style no substance which is like ridiculous in retrospect but i Mm -hmm. guess it makes sense if like you're watching the movies in order you know like we don't totally know what their worldview is yet yeah and then they they do fargo 
and every critic is like finally they grow up a little bit you know <laughs> finally they do an adult movie and then like they immediately follow that with the big lebowski and critics are once again like baffled and it's like there is a weird kind of stigma that like people put against certain filmmakers but that's not what happened here like i, I like and it's again robert did the princess bride if he made another princess bride i wouldn't complain <laughs> like mm-hmm. if it, it, it's that's a movie that is certainly you know it's a fairy tale like it's it's just it's just goofy shit and it's sword fighting that just looks goofy <laughs> like uh, i don't know man it's a bummer of a movie really like it's it's bad bad yeah and I think, and like I said, I think that's the reason why there's no, like, like you want Rob Reiner to give an interview these days where it's like, look, we put it together really quick and no one is stopping to go like, is this what we should do? You know? Yeah. Like, I can kind of see if I'm reading between the lines, it's like, it's Castle Rock. This is clearly him calling in a favor from everyone. This is him like cashing in on like all his success up to this point And the fact that he's become like this powerhouse producer. You, you kind of see this with Spielberg too, where there's like this era of Spielberg when he gets DreamWorks, where he's just buying the movie rights to like all these books, right? Mm-hmm. And the ones that get made are just the ones where like, he gets like everything assembled as quickly as possible, you know? Yeah. And it, there's no real like passion. Like it wasn't like singled out. So you can see like Rob Reiner maybe reads this book, thinks it's cute, buys the, the movie rights. He lines up a bunch of projects. North just like rises to the top by like virtue of like a bunch of like marketing things right Mm -hmm. like i said post post home alone it's like we want to make movies about kids like rule but actually they should still just love their parents right right like you can see like oh this is gonna be next home alone it's gonna be huge you can see all these pieces kind of falling into place and then no one stops to like actually go like wait what is this movie (laughs) and then it just when it comes out it's just this fucking disaster but rob reiner doesn't seem to have that perspective on he seems to think he made a good movie and yeah um uh, it's a shame that is a shame and and really disappointing because uh i I like going to bat for him but yeah i still like rob reiner when he pops up and stuff like yeah yeah, and i I love those movies i like you can't you know you can't take those movies away ultimately Mm -hmm. you know um but yeah it's this weird just like black mark on his career and again like never recovered like i can't I can't think of too many other directors that make a movie that bad. They just don't recover from it, you know? Yeah. Like there are, there are directors who like clearly weren't allowed to make movies ever again, but usually it's after they make like their best movie. Like that happens a lot, you know, or like, mm-hmm. or, like they make something a little too transgressive or like it loses too much money. And then suddenly all their like movie deals fall through. Or maybe you make a movie so bad you lose the star Wars movie you were lined up to do. <laughs> um. Well, Hey, God, that movie comes out this Friday, right? Oh yeah, the the, the time of recording, uh, we're bracing for the the next Jurassic World. I think I'm gonna like start meeting with like witches and shit. Whoa, what? And like try to put like a hex on that movie. Well, the good like, news is, it's bombing like critically. So yeah, but will it bomb like at the box office? And I get it. That movie's gonna make money by virtue of being Jurassic Park, right? Mm-hmm. But I need it to like not break even so that it's like almost 200 million dollars so i need to make like 300 million all right well 
it's already made 50 million. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, uh, yeah. So apologies to Rob Reiner. No North apologies is, to Colin Trevorrow. No apologies to Colin Trevorrow. What if it uh, turns out though that like Colin Trevorrow like is like actually the nicest guy on the planet? Hey, it could be. Like, I, I've I've like, uh, heard in interviews he's very kind and giving with his time. Yeah, it's just like what if it's like he's all the money he's been making off this movie he's been using to like fund like cancer research or something. Then hey, you know that's great. That's great. Yeah. Doesn't mean I'm, I have to like his movies. If you're a great guy, buddy, I'm sorry, but I hate your movies. Yeah, yeah. And they give me, I'll just say, if I only know you through the movies, they give me weird vibes. Like, I'll just, I'm just saying, like, it doesn't mean you're bad, but your movies give off bad vibes. Yeah. So, um, I, it's great if you're a great person. <laughs> um, uh, on that note, Matt, where can people find your great person tweets? Oh, everyone loves me, which is the other thing. Um, I had a tweet blow up recently where I was dunking on... Uh, netflix oh really yeah first tweet of mine to get like a thousand retweets in oh a while. wow yeah and i got a bunch of new followers and they're all gone already so <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to join those fine people <laughs> you can follow me and then unfollow me at emperor otn1 at twitter.com you can find me at the diego Crespo. check out the waffle press on twitter youtube soundcloud spotify itunes and patreon where you will probably get early access to the next episode. Uh, like and subscribe if you like this episode. And if you didn't like, like and subscribe anyways, because you might find something you do like. So thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Uh, do we know what we're talking about next? I'm thinking Oh, we, we uh, get the list up, and then we're going to do a random number generator. Yes, that is correct. Where is the list? Okay, we, found it. We owe right. morality. Turn, turn, turn. Tell us right, right, that right. we should learn. All right. Random number generator. Okay, we've got a couple out of the way so far. And all right, let's just say if it lands on a number we've already done, do we want to round down or round up? Oh, I'm just going to put the numbers that we haven't done yet. Okay. So if, uh, I, I could read them again, read them out right now. Um, no, don't read the titles. No? Um, okay. No, just... Uh... All right, yeah, do, do whatever. Um, okay, okay, okay. Then I am pressing the random number generator right... Oh, I accidentally closed the window. That's okay. Okay, <laughs> here we go. All right, number five, which at this point in time is Ang Lee's Hulk. Hey! Yay, superhero movies. Yeah. We did it. One of the most dour superhero movies ever made. But is well, it will, good? Will it be an interesting movie? And maybe uh, a movie that just never would get made today and kind of sad, but... Uh, yeah, let's but who do knows? it. who knows? We'll talk about it next time. Yeah, um, you should watch it. It's probably easy to find. Yeah, it, it's it's a fucking Hulk movie. You, it's you probably just... the easiest Ang Lee to find, movie to find, frankly. Um, I think movies... Life of Pi is, is pretty popular still. But like, is it streaming? Like, Actually, I, I, I don't know. Ang Lee is one of those guys where like, I'm like, I keep trying to watch more of his movies and like, I can never find him streaming. Hmm. Um, I think I've had to use mm. uh, Abby Phelps's um, account to find oh. those. Shout out to Abby. I was going to bring her up in this episode for some reason. Now I can't remember why. No, no, my cat's I, here. I had a joke I was going to make. Um, and now I can't think of it. Oh, well. Oh, well. I guess it wasn't that good.
See, see, Rob Reiner, if your joke sucks, you could just cut it out of the movie. Oh my God. But, no, I'm, I'm leaving all this in. I'm not cutting anything today, including right. the, the dead air when we had to take a break. Okay, sure. That, that, that fits. <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for watching. Uh, we have been professionally unprofessional. Bye. Here is my cat purring. Aww. You'll yell yippee-i-o at the rodeo till the day's done. Then you'll make a lot of pals with buffalo gals. Just leave some for me. Hey there! With barbecue sticks and stew, feed you pumpkin